0: facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis at support.greatdetectives.net. And uh, I want to specifically thank Robert for sending along a one-time donation that way. You can also send a donation through the Zelle app to box13 at greatdetectives.net. And uh, you can mail in a donation to Adam Graham, PO Box 15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. Or you can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters and send us a donation of uh, as little as $2 each month. Just go to patreon.greatdetectives.net to support us there. All right. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Man from Homicide. The original air date August the sixth of nineteen fifty-one, and this one is uh, the Drowned Girl Case.
1: In just a few moments, The Man from Homicide, starring Dan Durye. Henry J. Taylor, author, journalist, and ABC commentator, whose commentaries on world affairs are heard each Monday evening on ABC is on a fact-finding tour of European countries. Periodically, Mr. Taylor takes trips abroad to examine activities at first hand. During the weeks he's in Europe, his Monday evening commentary, Your Land and Mine, will be broadcast each week from a different European capital. He speaks tonight from Heidelberg. So listen for Henry J. Taylor's penetrating analysis on Your Land and Mine. A Man from Homicide... According to Webster's Dictionary, homicide is the killing of one human being by another. According to Lieutenant Lou Dana,
2: it's the beginning of a dirty, dangerous job that doesn't end until the killer is found. I don't like killers.
1: Every week at this time, the American Broadcasting Company brings you transcribed the star of stage and screen, Dan Duryea, as Lieutenant Lou Dana, the man from Homicide.
2: One way or another, people keep dying all the time. That interests doctors, insurance companies, and statisticians. But sometimes, people are helped to die. And that interests us. In homicide, we work at it. The death that comes because somebody was afraid, because somebody hated, because somebody killed. Pretty clear case of suicide, Lieutenant. The place was a pier, jutting out into the bay. The time was two in the morning. The occasion...
3: You don't often get an eyewitness to suicide, Lou... but this time we've got one. A cop, too.
2: The girl they'd fished out of the bay was young. At one time, she might have been pretty... but that time was before the waters of the bay got out her.
3: Yes, sir. One of our men saw her going.
2: They were working on her with a pull motor. What they needed was a miracle.
3: Yeah. Uniformed man was maybe 50 yards from her... when he heard her scream... He started towards her. She was easy to see and counted the lamppost right near the spot she jumped from. By the time he got there, she was under. Lou?
2: The sergeant was fat. Probably made getting clothes to fit and tough. I thought it was a good thing he didn't have to wear a uniform anymore. Lou! Sorry, Dave. I guess I was dreaming. Stick of gum, Pappy?
3: No, no, thanks. Lou, okay if the boys remove the body? She's dead.
2: Yeah, it's okay.
3: All right, boys, get her out of here, huh?
2: There was no identification on her, Dave? No. No labels on her clothes and no purse, huh? How about a hat? She was wearing one when she went in. Where is it? The hat?
3: The hat. Well, I guess nobody bothered fishing for
2: us. I want somebody to bother.
3: Well, okay, Lou, I'll put a couple of the boys on
2: it. But... Call it I... attention to detail, Dave. I don't like it. Don't like what? That girl dying the way she did. She was young, Dave. Pretty. Death by drowning hurts. She picked it for herself. Maybe. She was too alone, Dave. Uh, suicides don't usually look for company. They don't bother dying incognito, either. Well... Sure, I know. It could have been that way. Did you notice her hair, Dave? Was blonde. She'd had a permanent. Even the Baywater didn't bother it much. A recent permanent. Nah,
3: something's working on you.
2: Yeah. Suicides are tired and worn, bitter sometimes. This girl's face was, uh, untouched. She hadn't lived long, Dave. She hadn't lived much. Not nearly enough to find out what life was. Not nearly enough to ask for death. And Dave, she screamed. I went back to headquarters and waited. I wondered how it felt to breathe water instead of air. I wondered why any man chose to be in homicide. After a while, I stopped wondering and just waited. Lou? Yeah, Dave? No
3: sign of the hat. You know, the bay is kind of
2: big. Autopsy in yet? I got it. Thanks. Anything? Mm, Sure. She was drowned. Water in her lungs. Water that tested out as bay water. Well, that cleans it up, don't it? I don't know. Dave, get a hold of the cop or so I'll go in. Have him describe the hat to one of the lab men and have the lab man make a sketch of it. Sure, only why? I'm trying not to believe that life's so lousy, a girl like that wouldn't want it. Her clothes were cheap. It's been a warm night. Why was she wearing a hat?
3: Maybe you got something there.
2: A bad taste is what I've got. Get me that sketch, will you, Dave? If nothing else, it'll look good in her file. The rest of the routine went along fine. Pictures of her would go to the papers... and the request for identification would go with them. There might be trouble, though. The people who'd known her hadn't seen her dead. Her lungs filled with Baywater. It, uh... makes a difference.
3: Uh, here's your sketch, Lou.
2: Thanks. Now quite a hat. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Designer must have just heard about the birds and the bees.
2: Not to mention the fruit. Elaborate and expensive. It's a wrong note, Dave. Too much hat.
3: Oh, you're a stubborn man, Lou. Maybe the girl just blew a week's salary on that hat. Kind of a splurge.
2: Just before she decided to die? Yeah. Uh, no one's come in to identify her, huh? Not yet. Not Ever. You're guessing wild. No, I'm not. Why were the labels on her clothes removed? Dave, I have copies of that sketch made. Put a few policewomen on the job. A hat like that means a designer. It's not mass production stuff like the girl's clothes. I want that designer found. Okay, Lou. And if we turn him up? Make sure our people don't get spotted as cops. Yeah, and then what? And then I'll go visiting. I never heard her scream, Dave. Just a report about it. But somehow that screams in my ears. I want to get rid of it. It took time. But the dead girl had all the time there was. Finally, I got an address. And a name. The name was printed large in gilt letters on a shop window. It read, Vogue Millinery. Underneath, in small letters, Martha Wayne. I went in. Hello. Hello.
4: i rather like to have a man stop in. I get so tired of... Women are fine. They're the ones who buy my hats, mostly, but... You did want to see me about a hat.
2: I did. You're um, Mrs. Wayne? Miss Wayne. You design all these hats?
4: Yes. (laughs) Guilty as charged.
2: They're manufactured here?
4: Manufactured is such a large word. (laughs) They're made here. I usually have someone help me.
2: Isn't that a lot of work?
4: Not really. You see, I make only one of a kind. Not very many at that.
2: Then um, any hat bought here... Would
4: be absolutely unique. You're thinking of surprising your wife.
2: I'm not married.
4: Well, you're thinking of surprising someone?
2: In a way. I have a picture here. Oh? Look at it.
4: I see. She's very pretty, of course, but the photograph isn't terribly good, is it? I mean, it looks distorted.
2: Maybe. You um, don't recognize her?
4: Recognize? Oh, oh, she must be a celebrity, and I'm very stupid, but no, I don't recognize her. No,
2: she's no celebrity. She bought a hat here. She did? That's why I thought you'd recognize her.
4: Oh, I have a very bad memory for faces. Now, if you showed me the hat she bought...
2: I've got a sketch that might help. I'll take a look at it.
4: Oh, you're, you're quite an artist, aren't you?
2: This is one of your hats?
4: Oh, I think so. Your, your friend told you she bought it here.
2: No. Well, then, how have You did put you... labels in the hats you make, don't you? Oh, of course,
4: I'm terribly dense. All you had to do was look inside the hat. And... You
2: keep uh, records of the sales you make.
4: Well, naturally, the kind of clientele I have. And besides, there's so many taxes we have to pay. I want
2: the name of the girl you sold that hat to. The name. But if she's a friend of yours. I didn't say that. Well, no, but I assume. I'd that... like her name. I'm sorry.
4: I don't think I can give you that information. Why not? I don't know that the lady would want you to have it.
2: The lady's wishes don't matter very much. Not anymore.
4: I beg your pardon.
2: My name is Dana, Lieutenant Dana. My credentials.
4: Oh. Well, there isn't anything wrong about...
2: Your hats? That wouldn't be my business. I'm homicide.
4: Homicide? Oh, then you'd be Lou Dana. You're the celebrity.
2: Well, the papers run out of copy every once in a while.
4: I didn't recognize you. Although I've seen pictures of you. You look younger and...
2: The name of the girl?
4: Oh, I'm sorry. My record's in the back room. If you'll wait a few moments. I'll wait. I'll be right back.
2: It was a long distance from the cold waters of the bay to the warm, perfumed shop where Martha Wayne made hats. I wondered how the dead girl had got from one place to the other. It kept me from wondering about Martha Wayne and the things that had nothing to do with death. Martha Wayne was taking a long time. Too long a time. Miss Wayne? Miss Wayne? Miss Wayne? There was a back room. It held a couple of sewing machines, odds and ends of equipment, a desk, a chair, and an open window. The window looked out onto an alley leading to the next street. It was empty, as empty as the room I was in. Lieutenant Dana, I want an address for a Martha Wayne. She's not in the phone book, but she runs a hat shop on Miller Avenue. Yeah, that's right. Sales tax people would have it. Make it fast and call me here. The number's Arden 48747. I'm in a hurry, and I don't know why. Dana. Uh Uh-huh. 39 Carlisle. Thanks. The house was an old brownstone. The steps were worn that led up to the stoop. The windows were shuttered. No one was in a hurry to answer the doorbell. The door was locked. The neighborhood wasn't good. Streets littered. Sidewalks cracked. Doors sagging. I tried a few keys. One of them worked. The lights weren't on. That figured... No one was home. I was wrong. Oh. For a while, I felt fine. Things were soft and dark and warm. Nothing mattered. That was the way it would be when you died, I thought lazily. But I was wrong. It didn't last Light came back, and sound, and pain. Lou. Oh. Lou. Oh.
3: Lou, wake up, will you? Hmm? Lou? Hmm? Wake
2: up. What? Oh. Oh. Huh? Hello, Dave.
3: Oh. oh, you had me worried.
2: I seem to be lying down. Yeah. On the floor. Dirty floor. Help me up, Dave.
3: Okay. Uh. Uh. Thanks. Uh, for a minute there, I was scared.
2: Nobody kills Dana.
3: Now, that could be wrong.
2: Sure, but I don't want to know about it. Why you did you...
3: You phoned in for this address, and then you didn't check in. I got worried.
2: How long it's is it? It's
3: 11, Lou.
2: 11? Yeah. I must have been out for a good four hours. Correction, a bad four hours. Yeah. Dave, did you see anyone when no. you... No. Well, now, let's go look through the rest of the house. Now, you feel all right. I feel lousy. We'll look anyway. For what? A dark-haired girl named Martha Wayne. A girl who runs a hat shop. Right now, maybe, just a girl who runs. <laughs> we look through the rest of the house. We didn't find Martha Wayne. I hadn't expected to. We found lots of other things, though.
3: Well, that's it, Lieutenant. That's it. House full of antique furniture, old silver, paintings.
2: Very high class.
3: Very expensive. Also too much. A lot. Too much. Yeah, not a house for a family to live in.
2: A warehouse, Dave. What I was thinking. A warehouse for stolen goods. Uh, We'll get the burglary detail on it. Ah, they'll love us for finding the merchandise. Now, what does all this make, Martha Wayne, Lieutenant? A receiver of stolen goods, at best, and at worst, a killer. The burglary detail came and loved us. The house that Martha Wayne had lived in was filled with the loot from half a dozen big robberies. That took care of that. We put out an alarm for Martha Wayne. That didn't take care of that.
3: What's that thing you're fiddling with?
2: Uh, This? Yeah. Uh, Something I picked up in the room Martha Wayne lived in. It's a medal, Dave. Medal? Yeah. She's been a Girl Scout. Also, a senior lifesaver.
3: What flavor?
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Trying to be funny.
2: Relax, Pappy. I don't bite. Yeah. I... Anyway, I hope that's for me. Dana here. Yeah? Uh-huh. Yeah. Good. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. What was that? Burglary detail. Good old routine. The cop's best friend.
3: Yeah. I'm not only getting fatter, I'm getting stupider.
2: They've been worried about a cat named Barlow. A lot of burglaries bore his trademark the last few months. And they haven't been able to get anything on him, though.
3: Well, what good is that?
2: I don't know yet. I'll go ask Barlow.
3: But a burglary already worked on
2: They were gentle. All they had to worry about was stolen property. I won't be gentle. Lou, you better take it easy. Dave, there's nothing in my life except what? Death, killers, pain and violence. I'll take it as easy as I know how. But I'm not worrying about stolen property. I'm worrying about murder. Burglary had mentioned the yellow disc. It turned out to be a saloon with a girl singer, an out-of-tune piano, and a tough doorman. Yeah? I'm coming in. <laughs> Mention a name. Ralph Waldo Emerson.
3: I don't like that name. I'm still coming in. I look, mister. Nobody gets in the yellow disc without an invitation. You ain't got one.
2: I got this.
3: A badge. A real badge. You know what? I bet you're a cop.
2: You win the bet.
3: You still ain't coming in.
2: Let's find out.
3: You know what this is?
2: Yeah, a sap. Technically, a concealed weapon. Well, it ain't concealed now. You're frightening me. You're gonna get it. I've been sap before tonight. I'm getting used to it. Well, you must like it.
1: Hey. hey! My arm! Hey, you could break it. Don't suggest things to me. I did... Drop the sap. Okay, okay.
3: Well, it won't do you no good taking me. You did a nice job. Walk in there, you got trouble. Maybe I like trouble. Okay. Okay, I'm out of your way. You're tough, sure. You could handle me. There's
2: half a dozen guys in there. Open the door for me, huh? Oh, sure. Thanks. Suppose you announce me.
3: Oh, okay. What name? Lou Dana. Lou... No wonder you took me. You heard what I said. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, Lieutenant Lou Dana, that's this guy.
2: Now get back outside. Yeah? A saloon. The girl singer left quick. A small combo played background music. A handful of men sat around at small tables. They all balled at one place or another. Shoulder holsters or hip pocket rods, concealed weapons. Most of them had a girl at the table with them. Their weapons weren't especially concealed. Dana. Make it, Lieutenant. I feel formal tonight. What do you want here? Not a thing. Then get out. You worried about what?
3: Something happening to you. Thanks. Let's not play games. I run this place. I run it without cops. Keep right on
2: running it. Which one is Barlow? I don't hear a word you say. Which one is Barlow? You got a warrant for him? All oh, the mugs in town are turning legal. I never heard of anybody named Barlow. Which one? Move in
3: on me and you'll stop asking questions. You'll get an answer. You won't like it.
2: I'm crazy about answers. Any kind. Point him out. Okay. He's the one at the corner table. Thanks. Hello, Barlow. Hello. Let's go for a walk. Okay. Hmm. You're coming easy. Why not? I wouldn't know. How about your little playmates?
1: I must have been reading the papers about you. Hmm,
2: convenient. Come on. Since when you're doing burglary, Lieutenant? I'm not. Hey, no, wait a minute. Oh, no, no. We keep right on going. Or don't you believe what you read in the papers? We keep on going. Thanks, Mr. Barlow. Thanks.
1: Hey, what are you stopping here for?
2: This time of night, I'm crazy about the bay. Get out.
1: I ain't interested in sightseeing. Get out. Okay, but under protest,
2: see? Under protest. Come on. I want to get a closer look at the water. I don't know what you've got in mind. I'll let you know in time. Right here ought to do. Up above and to your right, Barlow. That's a pier. Oh, thanks for telling me. Down here, we've got more privacy. Funny thing about that pier. Yeah. A kid jumped off it last night, right into the bay. She drowned.
1: What's that got to do with me?
2: A cop saw her go over. With a little luck, she might have been saved. If somebody went into the bay from down here, nobody'd see him, Barlow. Hey, now, wait a minute. Oh, no, you're staying right here, Barlow. What what do you want from me? An introduction to Martha Wayne. Martha? I don't know nobody named that. From down here, you'd go into the water smooth and easy. Can you swim, Barlow? No. Too bad. Hey, let go of me. You gonna try breathing water instead of air. I should let go. We're right near the edge now, Barlow. One push and... Who'd oh, yeah, oh, hear you out here at this time of I... night? Okay. I'll take you to her. Why, thanks, Barlow. Thanks very much. <laughs> know oh, what you think you're doing? Very simple. You're a burglar. Martha Wayne's a fence. You steal the stuff, she disposes of it. The millinery stores a front.
1: Oh, that's guessing, and besides, what's it got to do with homicide?
2: That's what we're gonna find out. Knock, Barlow. Okay. Who is it? Uh, Barlow. What do you We're both coming in, Miss Wayne.
4: Dana. Ah,
2: you remembered.
4: You're not an easy man to forget, Lieutenant.
2: Thanks. This, uh, apartment's a lot nicer than the brownstone.
4: What brownstone?
2: Ah, uh, ah. Uh, you're listed as the owner.
4: But there's no law against having more than one place to live.
2: Tonight, everybody's quoting the law to me.
4: Why did you bring Barlow here?
2: He brought me. I, I had to. He, he would have drowned me. Shut up. Okay, I'll shut up.
4: Well, you were really anxious to meet me, weren't you?
2: I still want the name of the girl who bought that hat from you.
4: You're very persistent. So? Why not forget her, Lieutenant? Wouldn't be hard. I'd help.
2: All this for a burglary rap?
4: That's an act, Lieutenant, isn't it? Because you do respond when I'm close to you, like this.
2: I respond all right. I remember the kid who went into the bay...
4: The kid who what?
2: Last night, a girl wearing one of your hats jumped into the bay. A cop on duty heard her scream and looked around. She was near a lamppost. He saw her go over.
4: Well, that's very sad,
2: but... It's more than sad. It's murder.
4: Murder? But you
2: yourself just told me she jumped in. She did. But she wasn't the one who died.
4: She wasn't the one who... You're confusing me.
2: No, no, I'm not. You run a millinery store. In that store, you have an assistant. Let's suppose that assistant is a girl. A girl who finds out by accident what your business really is. A receiver of stolen goods. Suppose that girl is young, naive. Tells you she's going to inform the police. What would you do?
4: You're the one who's supposing all these things.
2: You'd have to make sure she wouldn't go to the police. One way would be to murder her. But that's dangerous. People get executed for murder. So, with a little help, Barlow's, for example, you get the girl down to the bay and drown her.
4: That would be murder anyway. Besides, the policeman saw her jump by herself.
2: You drown her in the bay, in the water underneath the pier. Then you go up on the pier yourself. You're dressed exactly the same way she is. You wait until a policeman's around, some little distance away. You pick out a place near a lamppost. Then you scream. The policeman sees you. He starts towards you, but you jump into the water. The harbor detail dredges. Comes up with the body of a drowned girl. The policeman would swear it was the same girl he'd seen go over. It wasn't.
4: Very, very clever, Lieutenant. But only a guess.
2: You could do it. You were a senior lifesaver. You swim well. The dead girl was already in the water under the pier. You hit the water, you swim away, climb out of the bay a few hundred yards from the pier. A perfect murder setup. A guess. Why would a suicide pick a lamppost? Why would a suicide scream before jumping? Not a guess.
4: You'll never be able to prove it.
2: Barlow isn't a very strong character. He brought me to you, and he'll testify. Hoping he might get away with a second degree murder rap. Won't you, Barlow? I, uh, well,
1: she did it all. I didn't know what she was
2: planning. You see? I have nothing to say. No, you haven't. Not anymore. Not in this life. And it all came from a hat. The hat that was wrong. But the dead girl was blonde. You're brunette, Miss Wayne. You had to wear a hat for a masquerade. That hat will hang you. That was all. They were booked, they'd be tried, and in due time they'd die. I finished my report and signed it. I didn't see the paper I was writing on. I saw a young girl with an untouched face and all of her life before her. Lying dead and watery on the rough wood of a pier. I don't like killers.
1: You have just heard another in a transcribed series starring Dan Duryea as The Man from Homicide. (laughs) The Man from Homicide is written by Lou Vittes, directed by Dwight Hauser. This program came to you from Hollywood. America is sold on ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.
2: This is Andrew J. Graham, author of the Web Surfer
4: series, oh, and a Madam's Wife. You're listening to the Great Detectives of Old Time
0: Radio. Welcome back. Uh, this is an episode that, in many ways, does take us back to uh, another time. I think that uh, today, the fact that a young person uh, does commit suicide is not something that would, while it would definitely, I think, strikes uh, police officers as tragic it wouldn't strike him as uh, so hard to believe as it does with Lieutenant Dana in this case. I do think Dana's tactics really went, continued to go far over the line. I think in this episode with threatening to drown a suspect is really, really extreme. It's uh, the type of thing that, Yeah, even many of the people we know to go to extremes don't quite go to that extreme. So this is... uh Uh, Again, just kind of emblematic of the show and of his approach, and I guess why some listeners don't quite care for the lieutenant. And it's also worth observing that he would have a lot easier time on the case if he would pull out his badge and say, Lieutenant Ludena, homicide. But uh, instead he uh, you know goes ahead and just says, "I want to barge my way in And uh, I'm asking questions without telling you who I am or why uh, so that the conversation takes a lot longer than necessary. Uh, and also because I can push you around in some ways without revealing the identity of the uh, that I'm a policeman. I mean, in this city where people read about him in the newspaper, you know, if you say, Lieutenant Dana wants something, f- Oh, sure, uh, sure, just, just don't threaten to drown me, okay. I also do think that, uh, really, as I listen to the series, it really does feel like they're trying to uh, have kind of their own copy of CBS's uh, series... Broadway's My Beat. And it's not, uh, I don't think it quite measures up, but it's still pretty interesting listening. All right, well, listener comments and feedback, and we have a few comments on uh, Man From Homicide. Josh uh, writes, this was good. I hope you managed to get a complete collection of this series. Well, thanks so much, Josh. Uh, While we're getting there, uh, with the new episodes that have come in, we have... uh, uh, I, I, however you count it, either, uh, eight of the 14 episodes or w- with the audition or nine of the 14 episodes. So, uh, we're, we're getting there. We'll see if more come into circulation. Steven writes, Lieutenant Dana is not my favorite detective. The plot was good, but I personally don't care for the tone of the show. And uh, then we actually had a a Facebook message come in. Lawrence writes, I hope the next installments of Man from Homicide get better because the one that you played, Adam, on Tuesday was dreadful. It was like Dan Duryea was trying to imitate Jack Webb and not doing a, a good job of it. He was an outstanding film and stage actor, but it takes a certain type of thespian to be able to present The words from the page, and he wasn't able to achieve this for this outing. Uh, Here's hoping things will improve for the man who starred in the show. Well, uh, thanks so much. uh, Like I said, I think that uh, Duryea, if anything, was trying to uh, imitate Larry Thor uh, from Broadway's My Beat. But this role is definitely a stretch. As I said, I do find it uh, entertaining and interesting, even though it's not the best thing we've played. All right, uh, we have some other comments now. Robert wrote, Listening to your great detectives of old-time radio makes me wonder if there will be episodes of Sergeant Preston of the Yukon and his dog King, a program that ran in the 40s and 50s when I was growing up in a small Texas town where radio was the chief source of entertainment and still is for me now that I'm 80 and retired. Uh, Keep up the good work. Uh, Well, thanks so much for the question, uh, Robert. And uh, in answer to that, um, it is actually a series that Andrew Rines has run on his uh, uh, otrwesterns.com podcast. And really, I think it fits well over there and not so much over here. So Andrew Rines has that, and I'd encourage you to take a listen to his run through that series. Now, part two of our responses to Jacob's question, where if, if you recall from yesterday, uh, Jacob was asking for recommendations for or, uh, uh, noirish uh, t- titles from the 1940s. And, uh, we got some suggestions. Some people, uh, went with, um, uh, went with some things not quite in that area, but still, uh, might be worth reading. So, uh, we started that yesterday and we'll just, uh, carry on here. Uh, we start, uh, in the comments, uh, Michael says Toby Peter series by Stuart M. Kaminsky. Toby Peters is a 1940s Hollywood PI in Los Angeles. Uh, who deals with cases involving the stars of the time. Uh, Daniel says you can't go wrong with John Dixon Carr. Uh, Ruth says not classic uh, detective, but rather noir, the novels of Eric Ambler, uh, Mask of demetrios uh, uh, et al. And uh, Francis says, how about Cornell Woolrich, who also wrote under the name William Iris? You can't get more noir than his stories. Or a more recent writer with a definite 40s feel, the Nameless Detective series by Bill Prozini. And uh, uh, Mickey Spillane is uh, recommended for the Mike Hammer books by Gene. Uh, Jack suggests Shell Shock. Uh, John says the Pulpine uh, novels by Howard Brown. And Ronnie suggests check out the Hard Case Crime Publishing Company. They are republishing a lot of old books now. And uh, Indy says some of the old noir can be pretty heavy. If you need something on the lighter side to read between the Chandler novels, try the Dan Shambles Zombie PI series by Kevin J. Anderson. And uh, uh, Kate shares the big book of noir. And... uh, Then, uh, also, uh, Dan Ross throws in a recommendation for Edgar Wallace. And Ron Lambertis uh, goes with uh, Ed McMahon, The 87th Precinct Stories. Uh, So, I hope all of those selections have helped Jacob and anyone else who's looking for a mystery series uh, to read uh, uh, to uh, check some of these out. I've not read uh, most of them, but uh, again, Uh, These are some recommendations from the audience. So I appreciate everybody who shared. And uh, also, uh, thanks so much to, to Jacob for asking the question. All right, join us back here tomorrow for Rocky Jordan. And then next Tuesday, another episode of Man From Homicide. I also need to state that in four weeks uh next Tuesday, uh, Tuesday in 4 weeks we will be starting uh the airmail mystery it's going to be a 1930s uh mystery serial uh so join us for that then in the meantime if you have a comment send it to us box 13 at greatdetectives.net follow us on twitter at radiodetectives and become one of our friends on facebook facebook.com/radiodetectives